Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Career Quest Podcast. My name is Michael Bonadio, and thank you so much for tuning in. Today we will be hearing Dr. Cheryl Dahl's Career Quest, a nonlinear path starting at a young age that has resulted in a very successful career. I hope you enjoy. Cheryl, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to get a deeper dive into your career because we've worked together with my internship and a lot of different things. I'm excited to see your life before I joined the team at Compass Point. Um, for starters, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, sure. I think I can do that in a short amount of time. Uh, so I'm a business coach uh, for Compass Point Consulting. So I work with family businesses and the owners and their leadership teams on uh, growing the business and transitioning the business and getting the business ready for transition and kind of all of the things that go along with family ownership and business. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, prior to that, I spent 21 years as an administrator in higher education and spent, yeah, a lot of time just figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. That's the short and sweet version. That's the short version? Mm-hmm. Thinking about all that you just said, you have switched careers a few different times. You've taught, you've worked career services, now you're a consultant, a coach. You've done a lot of different things, but... When you were starting out your career, did you know this was going to happen? And were you prepared for your quest? No, definitely not. I had no idea. I, well, I would say I thought I had an idea, but I was not nearly as self-aware as one would need to be in order to figure out what that was going to be. So if you asked you know, 10-year-old Cheryl, what she was going to do when she grew up, the answer was different from 14-year-old Cheryl to 18-year-old Cheryl to 19, 20, 21, and so on. So not at all prepared for where my career was going to go. I've heard of people changing their minds, but every couple of years changing your whole career. <laughs> yep. So your career started a little bit earlier than a lot of people's. Starting with the choice to drop out of college after two years, why did you make this choice? Um, I would say not that the choice was made for me, but in a way it was. So I spent two and a half years at Penn State thinking I was going to be a music teacher and then changing my major to computer science, thinking I was going to do something with computers to changing my major to management information systems because I just needed a major. So at that point, I guess I didn't really know what I was doing and uh, spending a lot of money trying to figure it out. So I've had lots of advice given to me over my life. And at that point, I think the guy I was dating was like, you need to leave and go home and figure stuff out. And for some reason, I took his advice. And, uh, and I went home. And the reason why I wasn't leaving was not really because of academics. It's because I had made a really great group of friends at Penn State and didn't want to leave them. But eventually I made an, an adult-ish decision and left the fall of my junior year and went home to Jersey. And 
had to figure it all out. Making a decision like that is not something you can decide lightly. It's not something you decide, eh, I'll just drop out now. But at a young age, you made this choice and then you decided to go back to college, but also while being an employee, basically forcing you to grow up very quick. You no longer were that 18, 19 year old immature person, which I don't think you were, but how were you able to do working as well as being a student at this young age? Uh, so first, I was very immature <laughs> and made stupid decisions, but I had started working at a pretty young age. So I had learned about working and earning money and all of that. I just didn't have a good sense of what to do with that money when, when I earned it. So I came home after I left Penn State and went right into working uh, in, back in food services, which is what I kind of grew up in. And then um, I had been temping, you know, prior to going to college. And then I started temping and I ended up temping at a college near my home. And I don't necessarily know that I had a long-term plan even at that point. It was just like, cool, I have a job that isn't going to require me to make sandwiches all day and come home smelling like salami and pickles. So this is great and it's in an office and I can use some of these cool computer skills that I learned when I was, you know, at Penn State. So I went and I worked at this college, Fairleigh Dickinson University in New Jersey, um, as like a assistant to the associate dean and it happened to be in the college of business and learning about higher ed. So here I was like this jaded college dropout that wrongly blamed the college for a lot of my woes, but now I got to see kind of the inside, like kind of peek behind the curtain of how a college worked and it intrigued me so much. But here I am presented with, oh, well, if you get hired here at Fairleigh Dickinson full time, you know, you get free tuition if you get accepted to the college. So that was like, oh, <laughs> well, that's a whole new storyline there. Um, and that's kind of how it all happened. And, you know, I guess I just, I was working full time. I was in the mindset that, you know, I needed to support myself and um, make better decisions. At that point, I was 20, 21 years old. And I started working there full time as an FDU employee. And I started back on my route to getting an undergraduate degree in 1999. This mindset of supporting yourself and getting yourself through everything, did you ever feel that you were missing out of that normal college life because maybe you're not able to go hang out with someone or hang out with friends because I have to go work? Did you ever feel like you missed out on things? I, I would say I didn't necessarily miss out on too much. And frankly, at that point, it was still you know, a, less than a year out from me leaving Penn State, I would still go up to Penn State and hang out with my friends up there. And it was only like, you know, a three-ish hour drive. Um, but, you know, I did need to work and, you know, I did need to be responsible and all that. So, you know, there was kind of a, a balance, I guess, but I wouldn't have traded it for anything. I think in a way, I feel like I got the best of both worlds now that I look back. 
Now, if you would have asked 18-year-old Cheryl, who's getting ready to go to college, if that's how she would have wanted it to go, she would have been like, no way. Like, I didn't, I wanted to go away to college. I wanted to be at Penn State. I wanted to have that full experience. I refused to go to community college for the first two years and save money. I refused to go to a Jersey school. Like, all of these, now that I look back at it, really immature decisions. Um, but obviously things happen for a reason. I needed to have that experience at Penn State to come home and really kind of figure out, okay, what am I doing? Going throughout Fairleigh Dickinson, you went there for undergrad as well as grad school. You worked as the department coordinator, assistant director, as well as an adjunct professor. Did you always see yourself working in higher education? Uh, great question. And no, I didn't. Um, you know, again, I started working there. And at that point, it was a means for me to get a free undergrad degree, right? It was paid for. So I'm sorry, FDU, but originally my thought was, okay, I'm going to work here and, you know, have it be paid for and continue on this journey of, all right, I'm going to be this kind of information systems computer type person, which is sort of the mindset I left Penn State with, but I, it wasn't fully a fully formed thought process. So while I was at FDU finishing up my undergrad, you know, I had some great mentors. Um, and obviously, you know, my experience as an undergrad there was very different from Penn State. I left Penn State after two and a half years um, and I'm pretty sure my GPA was, if I was lucky, a 2.0. And then, so two and a half years worth of work at Penn State, and I transferred my credits to FDU, and I basically transferred in a year's worth of credits. So those are the only credits that were eligible. Um, so I was really thankful because I basically got a clean slate at FDU. Like, my classes transferred, but my GPA didn't. So I worked really, really hard to not have the same thing happen at Penn State. Throughout that time, the associate dean that I had started working for when I first started at FDU became this great mentor to me. And I remember like he was giving me the award when I was graduating as an undergrad in, in my major and he called me a diamond in the rough. And I was like, okay, all right. Well, he saw something really cool in me and I'm like, okay, well, I kind of filed it away. But I got this degree in information systems and thought, still, all right, well, I'm going to do something with this. But I also had the opportunity to get, a, you know, an MBA for free. And I think it was at that point where I still was kind of undecided, but I thought, well, maybe, maybe I'll go and do this MBA and get my doctorate and be like Dr. Heim, the associate dean that kind of found me. But it was still kind of early on, and I don't think it was, again, a fully formed concept. So I guess I was like, all right, well, I'm going to get my MBA, and maybe I'm going to get an, you know, an IT job. Because at that point, I, I think I was just, in a way, done with FDU. And what I thought was just an FDU kind of internal politics. So at some point, my then best friend had started an IT company, and he knew I finished my undergrad, and he knew I was doing a lot of training and development work and he knew I was kind of unhappy where I was 
and he offered me a job. He was like, I will give you this job in my IT company to be our marketing person and to train um, people, you know, if you want. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> and I literally left and took this job, not having any experience in what he wanted me to do. And I just went and tried it. So it was a win-win in what, in what I thought was a win-win. What it ended up being was, I was doing the marketing for this IT company and oh, they contracted with this college for the IT company that I was working for to be the IT department. For all intents and purposes, I was the new director of IT for this community college having no clue what that meant. And I would be training the faculty. Sure, okay, but in the end, I did not want to continue working at the IT company. It was a bad, it was just, it was a bad fit, a bad situation. Don't work for friends. That's the moral of the story. And I think I spent maybe seven, like seven or eight months at the IT company. And I was like, I'm out. But I did stick with the college as an, as an adjunct and tried to kind of stay there more as a staff person, but it just, it just didn't work out. And then at that point, maybe I realized because I was doing some contract work for the college and for people in the college that, all right, I think I know a lot about higher ed and maybe, maybe I should just do that. Maybe I belong in higher ed. How does someone figure out what their lifelong career is? I know maybe you still don't know what it is. I'm not sure, but how should someone try to figure it out? So I thought higher ed was going to be my lifelong career in a way, you know, and at different points, I tried to solidify that, right? I have, I have multiple degrees in it, right? I have a master's in ed and I have a doctorate in education. And I think at some point, you know, <clears throat> I might've proclaimed I had wanted to be a college provost or, you know, a community college president. You know, how do you come to that conclusion? I don't really know. I think for me, I don't think it was the best proclamation to make or path to have because in a way I'd spent so much time in it that it was comfortable, right? I knew it. I knew the industry or if, you know, not that higher ed as an industry per se, but I knew how to navigate it. So I, I just figured, all right, well, this is where I am. I know all of this. And frankly, I have a hard time being the person that doesn't know the things. So for me, while I'd say most people would be like, yeah, that's, that's great. Why, you know, stay in higher ed. That's your path. You've been doing it for 21 years. I got way too comfortable. I don't necessarily say I got complacent. I don't know that I have the ability to be complacent, but it was just, I knew it too much and I was getting burned out and I didn't like where higher ed was going. I also didn't like how comfortable I was with it. So I made the choice to step away and find something else using my skill set. I would say it's great that people can make that decision to say, this is my career for the rest of my life, as long as they feel joy in the work that they do and it's not something that's completely taxing on your energy and you don't get complacent and you want to know more and grow more. That's great. I know lots of people that have had the same career or worked in the same industry their entire lives. It's becoming a trend to have many careers instead of just sticking to one. But going back a little bit to 
the community college you worked for from the IT job, you decided to leave there because it wasn't working. Did you have what was next lined up? Oh, I, I actually just got like anxiety hearing you ask me that question because no, I didn't. That was the only time in my life I've ever left a job without knowing what was next. And thank goodness I have a super understanding husband because he allowed me to do it. Now I did have my adjunct teaching gig at that point. So I was teaching like two or three classes at the community college. So I had something, but it wasn't guaranteed. And, you know, it was only like, you know, a class or two. So I just knew I needed to get out of the IT company. So I left the IT company. I was teaching, you know, a college like a freshman success class and I think a, an information systems class at the community college and just trying to figure out what I was going to do. I ended up teaching as an adjunct and until the summer and then they didn't need me anymore. So I'd recently been married. I got married at a winery and that was September of 06. And then I quit my job in December of 06. And then Sometime, oh my goodness, in January, the winery called because I had said, I think kind of jokingly, hey, if you need someone, I'd love to work at the winery, you know, but I remember telling the winery here in PA, I'm like, yeah, I would love to do anything for you guys. And they called me and they're like, well, we need somebody. So I said yes. And I started working at the winery in January. So I think I was probably without a full-time job for maybe a month or so. So yeah, scary time, but somehow I landed at the winery. After this scary time, was there a moment or an event? Did something happen that said, okay, I need to figure out what's next? Yes. Yep. A lot of stuff. Uh, um, I would say 2007, 2007 was a rough year for so many reasons. So I worked at the winery. Um, it was an okay experience. I worked every weekend. And then in May of 07, my dad had a massive stroke. And um, I had to, I basically went to New Jersey and it was pretty rough. And the winery were, was like, yeah, we no longer need you. You know, that's the really short version of that story. But um, my father was in intensive care and I was going back and forth a lot just to help my mom. And my father ended up in a rehab trying to regain the ability to basically do everything, eat, walk, talk. Um, so I spent, that was May. So I spent basically that summer just trying to help and said, okay, like, I need to figure out what I'm doing. I can't just keep finding jobs. Like at some point I had a career and then I kind of went astray. Um, so I knew I just needed to get something to obviously have a job, but that's what it was that summer, probably shortly after my dad had the stroke that I started applying for jobs in higher ed. Like, all the time. Like I was applying, I think I still have the file. I must've applied to 30 or 40 higher ed jobs. Just please like someone hire me. And 
you know, throughout that time, I got a job at another, um, do another food service job, making gelato and making sandwiches yet again. Um, but it was fine and it was, you know, mindless in a way and I could just do it and continue applying for higher ed jobs. And thankfully, you know, I'd interviewed for a job at East Stroudsburg to be, I think, an admissions counselor and I didn't get it. But the, the dean at the time apparently liked me so much that he called me and asked if I would do some contract work. And I said, yep, because it's a foot in the door. And uh, started working in admissions at East Stroudsburg, evaluating applications. Um, so I was still, and it was contract, so I was still applying for jobs and, you know, constantly trying to find something. And I think it was like October, I had applied for these two jobs at Lehigh. And I remember telling my husband and his family, I'm like, these, this is awesome. Like, this is so cool. I would love to work at Lehigh. You know, I had actually that summer I had applied and interviewed for a job at Lehigh in their IS, kind of their um, institutional research department. So fast forward, I found these other two jobs at Lehigh and they sounded like right up my alley. It was kind of a mix of what I had done when I was at FDU and I was just really energized. I remember saying to my husband and my husband's family and it just happened that my husband's aunt knew someone at Lehigh who knew the person hiring for these jobs and she walked my resume over to him, to the, the person hiring for the jobs. And I really think that that's the fate that um, got me closer to what I wanted to do. And uh, I guess the long but short story is I worked contract at East Stroudsburg. I applied for the two jobs at Lehigh. I was asked, which one would you prefer? And I said, I would love to run the co-op program at Lehigh. And I got the job at Lehigh. And that was, I accepted the job at Lehigh University in November of 2007 after a hellish year. And I started working at Lehigh on December 7th of 2007. That's a crazy short period of time. Yep. It's not, it's not like one thing happened and you're like, oh, okay, I got my next job. There was a lot that went on. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry about your dad. He, he's okay. He's okay now. That's good. When I think about it, I've heard you talk about a lot of different jobs, companies, schools, has each job just been a stepping stone to the next? So if there's something to know about me, it's that I do not take the typical path. Um, I am always the person that tends to forge her own path and also do things so kind of out of the box that it ends up being much more work than it needs to be. I don't know that anybody, if you looked at my work and my background would have ever said I qualified for most of the jobs that I got. I just feel, I guess I felt as though I had enough of a skill set that I could be trained in something. And it was really about wanting to be a part of an institution or a part of a culture. Now, I didn't know a lot about some places, cultures, right? I didn't know that the winery was going to be as miserable as it was, but it ended up being that. It was more like, okay, how can I shoehorn myself into this type of work knowing that, you know, I'm this person that's just wanting, constantly wanting to learn and wanting to excel and 
do whatever I can and knowing there are certain things that I'm really adept at and there are certain things I'm not good at. So the job at Lehigh was basically, it was a career counselor, but it was also very focused on kind of overseeing this co-op program for the College of Engineering. And I loved that structure of this program. The career counseling thing was probably the most, not the scariest for me, but you know, I'd done academic advising. This was career counseling, so it was a little bit different for me. Um, but again, I was like, I'm willing to learn. Just teach me. Just teach me, please. And um, I really just wanted to be a part of this Lehigh family. So at that point, I remember going to the interview. And it was a, it was a long interview process, like meeting with um, the person who would, would be my supervisor, Rich, who was amazing. And then I met with the rest of the career services team. And then I met with the director of career services, which at that point was Donna Goldfeder. I remember going into Donna's office and I think it was the last part of my interview. And I looked at her, I'm like, look, it said, ask me whatever you want, but I need you to know that I want this. Like, this is what I want to do. And I don't know what compelled me to say it. Um, and I think it was just, I was just so ready and so excited. And she made a comment about it to me, I think, after I got hired that it kind of took her aback. And it was probably very unorthodox. I mean, here it is. It's a career services department. They coach students on how to interview. And here I am coming in saying, hey, like, this is what I want to do. I want this. You know, it's not like, I think that's as far as I went. But uh, I was just, you know, I was excited to do it. And I was ready. And then at some point I was ready to leave Lehigh. And then here comes this job at, LTRIC, so the community college, and it was like, I forget the name, it was like director of student retention and faculty development. So here I go, I have this skill set, and I have a lot of knowledge about higher ed, and I have this master's degree in education now, I'm going to go and attempt to get this job, and somehow I got it. Um, that was a scary experience because that was me walking into something that I didn't know a whole ton about. I was excited to figure it out. I still don't know what the expectations were of that job because I don't think they knew what the expectations were of that job because it had come out of a grant that they had institutionalized. So there again, I was doing a job and trying to figure it out. And then that job morphed over the seven years I was there. Um, and then here I am now as a coach once again, taking kind of what I've done over my career and what I've learned and my skill set and my doctorate and all of it and all of my experience working in family businesses at a young age and kind of parlaying it into the work that I do today. Throughout the years, you got your undergrad, master's, doctorate. Was it all worth it? Were my degrees all worth it? Yes. Uh, definitely. I mean, I just have this need to be a student. I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it was because I was such a poor student when I was at Penn State. I knew I was going to get my, you know, my master's degree. Like that was, that was just a thing. And I remember when I was back at FDU and I was you know, working with the associate dean, Dr. Heim, and just idolizing him and wanting to be like him, like, that would be awesome. And I remember telling my mom back when I finished my undergrad, so early, that was 2003, 
I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to get my doctorate. And I think if I had stayed at FDU, I would have just done MBA and doctorate, but obviously <laughs> I went elsewhere. Um, and my mom never forgot it. She never forgot that I said it. You know, I was at Lehigh and I was doing my MED and I had thoughts of, I had thoughts of doctorate, but then I got pregnant with my daughter as I was finishing my MED and remembered what it was like to be in college, you know, being in a grad school program and being pregnant was horrible. So I did my MED, I had my daughter, and then I went to LTRIC. And I don't know, like, I think I kind of put my doctorate out of my head for a while. And then just the thought of, oh my goodness, I would never in my life be able to write a book. Like this idea of the dissertation was just, no way. Uh Uh-uh, it's not going to happen. Like, I'm okay. I've made it this far. At that point, I was, you know, pretty much an associate dean. I didn't have a doctorate. But I will say that throughout my entire life in college ed, I've always had this idea of a doctorate kind of waved in my face and in a negative way. When I was at FDU, I remember presenting to faculty and almost just being completely dismissed because who are you? You're this lowly person with a bachelor's degree. And same thing at Lehigh. Who are you that you're this lowly person with a a master's degree? And same thing at LTRIC. It's almost, it's it's this weird thing with higher ed. Like, unless you have that terminal degree, in a way, you're not taken seriously. And that was a big issue for me. But to be completely honest, I didn't think about going back for my doctorate until my mom got sick. So my mom got sick and that was 2014 and like kind of tossed it around. And at that point my daughter was four and then 2015, my mom got very sick and it was actually her dying wish to me for me to go back and get my doctorate. And how can you say no to that? So all of this, me pushing it off, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. My daughter's too young. I remember I put in, like I started researching in the spring of 2015 and I had put in my application for Wilkes for the doctorate program there and like done all the application process. And that was probably like in March or April. Um, My mom passed away at the end of May. And I remember I got called for an interview for Wilkes and I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't do my interview that day. I have my mom's funeral. And I'm sure that threw them for a loop, but that's how fast it happened. Like, all right, I guess I'm doing this. Boom, boom, boom. And I did my interview like later in June and got accepted and started my doctorate that August. So August of 2015, not knowing if I was going to finish it. Because at that point, the only motivator for me was my mom wanted this. And anyone who's a doctoral student or has gone through a doctorate um, would tell you that you have to have so much more skin in the game to get through. And I learned that through through the experience. But yeah, so I'm pretty sure I told my cohort, like, I'm here. I'm pretty sure I want to do this. But, you know... I'm here because my mom, um, and I would say, like, by the end of the first semester, I was like, oh, all right, I have to be all in or else this isn't happening. 
So was it worth it? Yes. Did I have to sacrifice a whole hell of a lot, especially in, you know, somewhat in my master's degrees, but in my doctorate, oh my goodness, yes. Like so much. But to have done it, it's still, it's still kind of surreal to me to know that I have a doctorate. Um, and I forget a lot. <laughs> so it's nice to be reminded every once in a while. Well, you did it. You fulfilled her wish, which must have felt awesome when you actually finished it. That icing on the cake, or I don't know a better term to use. After everything, you get your master's, you get your doctorate, you have this doctor status to your name now. Why did you get a doctorate and then leave higher education? Uh, $64,000 question. Um, I don't necessarily know that I had planned to get a doctorate and leave higher ed. It just, as always with me, sort of happened. So I started my doctorate in 2015. At that point, I'm three years into my career at LTRIC. My job is still kind of morphing. And a new provost, vice president of academics comes on board and he kind of allows me to change my job into more of this organizational development position. So I went from a very faculty focused job to something that was very employee focused. How do I, you know, change the culture of the institution? How do I develop all the employees? And then I was given, you know, the opportunity to run the leadership team there. So owning the strategic plan and running the leadership team meetings and doing a lot of work around grants. And I was getting all of this amazing experience and, you know, working on my doctorate, working on my doctorate. And, you know, my research was all around adjunct faculty and organizational commitment and job satisfaction. So in my head, like I had this organizational development, very HR mindset going on. So I'm doing that. I'm, I'm finishing up this doctorate and, you know, at this point I'm running organizational development, I'm running the leadership team, but it's just not fulfilling. And there was a lot of other stuff at play that didn't really bring me the joy that I had wanted it to, to bring me doing this work. Um, so I would say it was at that point where I said, okay, well, I know I like doing this work, Maybe, again, it's, it's the industry, and I knew that from so many years working in higher ed that maybe it's the industry and I need to look elsewhere. And I think it was maybe a year before I had finished my doctorate that I had started seriously looking outside of, of higher ed for something involving organizational development or HR. And I had gotten myself very involved in different organizations. I was doing work for the Association for Talent Development. I was running our leadership succession program at the college, which was a big consortium program with other colleges involved. And so I knew I had some experience, but once again, I felt like I didn't have the right credential. So you know, a theme woven through my entire life is not having the degree or not having the credential. 
right? I couldn't get an actual job when I dropped out of Penn State because I didn't have my undergrad degree. So I worked on getting my undergrad degree. I got my undergrad degree, but wanted to do stuff more in higher ed and needed a master's degree. I didn't have my master's degree. So I worked on my master's degree. And then I wanted to do more in higher ed and I didn't have a terminal degree. And it was like constantly this need for another credential. And then here I was doing all of this HR-based work and I didn't have an HR cert. So I was actually about to apply and pay for myself to go through training to get a professional HR certification. And it was right around the time where I met Cheyenne Bennett, who is my now colleague and my friend who I had hired to do some work for me at the college um, on a retreat. And um, so I'm looking outside, you know, higher ed and applying for jobs and not really finding what I want or finding that I have this scarlet letter on me because I've worked in higher ed for so long and there's the stigma um, of those working in higher ed that we're not good in corporate or in industry because we move at the pace of a snail. So I was fighting that and fighting the lack of HR certification and in walks Cheyenne and I think at some point in our conversation, she looks at me and, you know, she knows I was one in a doctoral program because she was too. And we were kind of in the same place and um, she knew I was unhappy in my current job. So she's like, how are you a strategy? And that's the question that kind of started it all. And she asked me, and I don't know how I answered it the first time, but then she asked me again, like a couple months later, I'm like, Cheyenne, it's what I do. Strategy is what I do. Like, I own the strategic plan for the college. And that's when she's like, I think I need you to meet my boss, Tom Garrity. And that was January of 2019. And that was, I was two months away from defending my dissertation and getting my doctorate. Um, and I knew, you know, I was ready. Like I was going to finish my doctorate and then I was able to leave the college without like they paid for part of my degree. So I had to give them so much time. So I basically had to give them until mid 2019 before I left. So I was kind of having that timeline in my head. I started meeting with Tom in January of 2019 and um, he made me the offer in April and I happily accepted and haven't looked back since. So you know, I got the doctorate and I think, and it wasn't a bad decision. I think it's helped me. Um, again, I don't think I use it for the same way a lot of people do. And it's allowed me to, to teach, right? There, like most colleges want you to have a terminal degree to teach. There are some that are good with a master's in certain experience, but um, I saw that as, you know, um, an opportunity for myself. And wanted to keep again a toe in the water of higher ed. So a woman I worked with at Lehigh had posted on LinkedIn about this new program that they were hiring for at Muhlenberg. And I was like, oh, a master's in organizational leadership. Well, I have this doctorate now in educational leadership and you know curriculum development and I'm working in organizational development and strategy. So what a great way to parlay my experience. And I interviewed for that program in 
Oh, goodness. I don't remember. Uh, in February of 2020, and I just finished teaching my first class yesterday. So there you have it. Well, congrats on finishing the class. That's got to be exciting. Tom and Cheyenne, who you've mentioned, a newer coach, Matthew, me as an intern, and yourself make up the Compass Point team. And you have Muhlenberg with your toe kind of dipped in in higher education still. And that kind of makes up present day for the most part. I usually ask a specific question about your perspective, but working with Compass Point, I've heard you ask a question to different clients many times. So I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't get the chance to ask you. This is a three-part question. Thinking about yourself, what is something in the next couple of years you want to start doing, keep doing, and stop doing? Um, so I'll go with keep. And I would say just keep, keep learning and growing at the pace that I've been, although I might regret that because... I've learned so much in these last two years, <laughs> um, but there's so much more for me to learn. You know, Tom Garrity is just this amazing person with this wealth of knowledge around family and family governance and family business. And there's just so much to learn. So I would say keep learning as much as I can, as fast as I can. Something I want to start doing. Oh, uh, well, I'd say I, I've started. So really the ability to help mentor and develop more team members. So obviously I've been working with you as our intern, but now I have this opportunity to kind of, you know, not to kind of, but to mentor our newest coach, Matthew, who just started a month ago. You know, it's been really exciting and I just want to be able to to do that more what do i want to stop doing oh in terms of my career i would say you know to be vulnerable in this space i would say stop doubting my ability at times because i've had such an unusual or unorthodox path i was never a ceo and typically coaches like me you know not typically but a lot of coaches like me in my organization are former ceos right the former ceos are former business owners i am neither however i you know was a executive level you know in a college and i helped my families in their businesses and grew up in family business and you know um have this doctorate in instruction and curriculum and the whole idea around learning and teaching. So I think I bring a unique perspective, but it would still be beneficial for me um, to stop doubting my abilities at times. Doubt is the end of a lot of people. They don't want to start something because they're doubting their ability to do it. And it's hard to get out of that. So I'm excited to see how you do that. <laughs> Thank you so much for giving us your career quest, going through all the different decisions. Now I want to get to the mythologically themed questions. The first one, along your quest, what were two to three of the most useful skills that you learned? Useful skills. I would say 
um, all of kind of the programming languages and HTML I learned when I was at Penn State. So C++ and HTML, I would say that was beneficial to me. So that's one skill. Um, the ability to run a meeting. I mean, I don't know anyone that hasn't sat through a horrible meeting. And it's like one of my biggest pet peeves is to sit in a meeting that has no agenda, no purpose, um, and just kind of happens. It's, it literally enrages me. So I learned kind of early on how to set an agenda, how to run a meeting, you know, how to be very action oriented. And I feel like that's, that's helped me throughout my entire career. Now, taking a step back and looking on the other side, throughout your career, what has been your biggest Achilles heel? That one thing that could have been the demise of your career? One thing that was my Achilles heel. I have a tendency to want to, like, flee when I feel like I'm not fitting into the culture but I tend to make that story up in my head where I'm not the right fit and start thinking about, well, maybe it's not the right place for me. Rather than exploring those thoughts, I would say there were times where I might've jumped too fast to say, all right, I need to move on. And I would say my husband would say, agree a hundred percent there. But I don't want to say like, I'm super flighty and the second something went wrong, I was out of there. Um, but I certainly could have explored the why I felt like not the right fit at certain times a bit more than I did. You mentioned earlier in the episode about mentors, but who has been that one person, that Oracle that you go to? There's no way to choose one. <laughs> so I'll say, for the early part of my career, um, it was definitely Ron Heim, the then associate dean of the College of Business at FDU. Rich Freed was my boss at Lehigh and taught me so much about just about careers and life and working in higher ed. Um, and he really took me under his wing and kind of showed me the way for a very long time. And, you know, he and I are still friends and we still see each other. And um, he definitely got a personal thanks in my uh, graduation speech for my doctorate. But certainly Tom, I mean, you know, while, you know, he's our managing partner and, you know, I, it feels weird calling him my boss. I mean, he's my colleague. And knowing that my, my doctoral research is on mentoring and the idea of being a mentor and what it means to be mentored, he, I think, exudes, not that Rich and Dr. Heim didn't want to be my mentor, like they did it and they were great. I mean, Tom just, it just comes so naturally to him and he knows what it means to mentor someone. And he's just so giving of that information in a very humble way. So yeah, definitely. I would say there have been others for sure, but um, Ron Heim, Rich Freed, and Tom Garrity. Over your entire career, 
you've done a lot. If you could go back to the beginning, what is something that you would have done differently from the beginning to now? I don't know that I would change anything I did. I think I had to learn the lessons early on that I did. Um, I think if I finished up at Penn State, my life would be very different. I don't know what it would be, but it would be different. And I think working and working full time and being an undergrad taught me so much about like grit and perseverance and all of that. That's kind of um, strung throughout the rest of my life story. Well, that's good to hear. I have two more, which are final thought questions. The first one is, what is the one thing you wish you knew before embarking on your quest? A degree only gets you so far. That's all I have to say about that. And the other one is, what is something that you are doing today that you feel everyone should be doing in terms of professional development? Um, oh, that's a good question. I would say I'm a big fan of balance. So, and I'm a big fan of podcasts. So I would say everyone should listen to something that will develop them professionally, but also something that helps balance them personally. So, you know, find a good podcast related to the work that you do and find a good podcast that just makes you whatever, feel good, laugh, cry, whatever, whatever emotion you go for, you know, I always want to laugh and listen to something funny. So that's my go-to. Well, hopefully this podcast can go into your rotation of the professional side, but we'll see. <laughs> um, that's all I have today. Thank you so much for giving us everything from the deeper dives into your early, I guess, right before your 20s, all the way to present day. It's been an absolute pleasure as well. So thank you. Wow. Cheryl has for sure created her own path and has not looked back. She has taken her struggles in stride and makes the best of her situations. But let me know what you thought. Rate and review this podcast and make sure to follow at CareerQuestPodcast on Instagram. I would greatly appreciate it and subscribe for the next episode.